Welcome to Community Association Car Chat. The number one nationally recognized community association video podcast. Join your hosts, David Velasco and Steve Roderick, advisors at JGS Insurance, a Baldwin Risk partner, every Monday as they catapult the multifamily industry forward by providing education and information about a host of topics that affect the community association world today. You can watch the show every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern live on LinkedIn or listen wherever you get your podcast as Dave and Steve give you your weekly dose of laughter and learning from the best in the industry. Let's get into this week's episode with our very special guest. Hey, Steve. Hey, hey, David. How are you this morning? I'm good. Let's Uh, see who we have today for our guest. You know what, David? I got. I got to tell you, I'm really excited about this. Our guest today is is a friend of mine. I've known him for a number of years. He works very, very closely with us in the industry with our community associations, and he's a respected educator and and a, and a good speaker. He likes he likes to share the information with the boards and the managers. So today. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show, Mr. Martin Cabellar, and he is a shareholder with Becker. Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on. Can you tell us and our viewers a little bit about yourself and what it was you do at Becker? Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Steve. Great to be on the show today. Really appreciate it. I know you guys are in your fourth season now, so you know, congratulations on that, for, you know, first and, and foremost. Yes, I'm a shareholder with Becker. Becker is a law firm. We grew up on representing community associations. Firm has been around for over 50 years now and the community association world is really where you know we focus our representation but we have grown over these 50 years we are a full service law firm we have folks in every area of the law now but i'm part of the community association practice group and i have a a focus area of construction as well so you mentioned a couple of things here but first like how long have you been practicing law and secondly you mentioned that you have a background in construction so you have a law firm that have a specialty in the in the niche business of community association and then you have your own niche within that can you elaborate a little bit yeah sure so i've been practicing for 12 years now i will be with the firm for 12 years in june of this year i am part of the community association practice group and we offer full service legal counsel to community associations whether that's homeowners associations condominiums cooperatives any type of you know plan unit development in in new jersey the construction area that i focus on is primarily with an area commonly known as transition and that is the period of time when the developer of a community transitions control to the unit owners, to the members of the association, and they go through their due diligence to make sure the developer met its obligations, both from a financial perspective and a uh, construction perspective. Can you just walk us through a little bit about it? Because not a lot of people understand it. Just how does that typically go You know, from, from start to finish, from developer to the initial board? So transition is kind of a multi-phase process. There's one moment in time when the unit owners take control of the board. That's upon 75% sale of the community. The unit mm-hmm. owners will take full control of the board. That is literal transition of control. But there in the industry is a period of time well after that, perhaps for years, where the association goes through its due diligence to make sure the developer met its financial obligations to the association during the time that it was controlling the board. And it will rely on accounting professionals to help it make that determination. And then it will also look at the construction of the community and make sure that the community was constructed to 
both the design, industry standards, and code. And it's one of those things where it's really a due diligence process because you don't know what you don't know, right? And you come into a new community and the idea is that it's new construction. We shouldn't have problems. It's a new development. We shouldn't have financial issues. But if you don't take this due diligence, you won't know if that's the case or not. And you only have a limited period of time to bring claims should they exist. So you mentioned that sometimes the process can take years. So I imagine it's not always a smooth sailing, how we should say. And, you know, how often is it actually a, a big mess? So I would break it down into two types of transitions. One that resolves without the need for litigation and then one that can't resolve and the community decides to litigate over the issues. The ones that can resolve without the need for litigation, which are the vast majority, honestly, typically last, I would say, anywhere between 18 to 24 months. And oh, wow. that is really a process of from the beginning to the end, getting your professionals in place. Do you have your accountant? Do you have your property manager? Do you have your attorney? Do you have your architectural and engineering forensic firm to look at all these things, getting them under contract, making sure council's kind of quarterbacking all of this and having them do their investigations, getting their draft reports, working through the drafts with them, then serving them on the developer, then entering this period of negotiation on what is typically a pretty long list of items. And it's not a terrible thing that it takes 18 to 24 months. I know some folks may look at that and go, oh, two years, we're going to be in this process for two years. But there are many things you don't know in month six that you learn in month 20 that you may have negotiated or not had an opportunity to negotiate over and already settled or already released. So some period of time is actually a good thing. Okay. If, if in those 18 to 24 months you don't settle, then you make a decision about litigation. That will extend things a little bit when you get to that point. But you only do that if you're going to come out net positive. And by net positive, I mean financially, because boards need to make fiscally responsible decisions. We're not filing lawsuits for the sake of filing lawsuits. Got it, got it, got it. So, I mean, I'm sure that there's a million different ways that this can go, but if it does happen to head towards litigation, could you give us just an example or two of some of the more common types of things that would not be resolvable that would drive a uh, transition into litigation? Just maybe one, one or two? Of course, habitability issues. That's the primary one. So the most prevalent defects we see deal with water infiltration. So you have a building envelope made up of the facade and the roof, right? And if there's water coming in and getting into people's homes, that's a real problem. And that's a real problem that the board has to deal with and management has to deal with. And oftentimes the association simply doesn't have the funds if it's wide scale. One or two leaks in a large building, okay, that's somewhat normal. You might see that from time to time. But when you start seeing a large percentage of the building having these problems, or you see systemic problems that require full-scale replacements of facades or roofs, those things are very expensive. And those are things where you're going to typically end up in litigation. Geotechnical issue, soil settlement, that would be another one. We see that a lot, particularly in coastal properties or you know properties along riverbanks, uh, the Hudson River, for example. We've seen quite a bit of communities that have you know soil settlement issues throughout the years those are the types of things that you generally end up in litigation over and you know i know you guys are part of the insurance industry and and maybe this area is not your focus you know a lot of times when you're bringing these suits it's about triggering insurance coverage of the folks who constructed the property to make sure that you didn't just win on paper, meaning you didn't just get a judgment. A judgment is one thing, but then you have to collect on that judgment. You much rather be in a position to settle the case and have an insurance carrier or a contractor or developer who has the financial means make payment to the association. So that's an important aspect here too, insurance coverage. Gotcha. Now, when it comes to that transition or that litigation, what does it take actually specialists to handle positions for 
communities and not just like, you know, a general council. Yeah. And so this is why I focus kind of on transitions is because there are a couple different areas that come into play. While I do general counsel work, the transition work also really requires deep knowledge of construction, deep knowledge of litigation and knowledge of insurance particularly the type of insurance that contractors and developers go out and obtain for a project so that when you are pursuing the litigation, you don't make mistakes that result in the carrier declining coverage. Again, you're, a lot of times you're going after corporations. Those corporations have certain protections under the law. If they're not large corporations, they may be able to avoid liability through issues like bankruptcy, which is another issue we deal with in this area. So you want to be careful to have counsel who understands all these areas so that you are artfully crafting and pursuing your claims. You know, the worst thing you can do is put one word in a complaint that would completely negate insurance coverage. And there are those words that exist out there that will completely negate insurance and coverage. So if you don't have counsel that understands that, you could be behind the eight ball right from the start of the case. You could have a very good claim and you could have a quote unquote winning claim, but that may only result in you getting a judgment. And that's just a piece of paper. You then need to collect on that judgment. So there's yeah. a lot of areas of the law that kind of come into play with transition that are, you know, outside the scope of what you might consider more traditional community association representation. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Now, I mean, outside of litigation, and, and I understand that is your specialty, but outside of litigation, can you give us an example of what some other challenges might be for boards and management during this transition process? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it goes back to one of the bigger problems I talked about earlier, and that deals with leaks and habitability issues. Folks who are having cracks in their units, for example, how do you manage the community and the residents who are somewhat in uproar over the problems they're having? And how do you juxtapose that against the fact that the community doesn't have the funds to make these repairs? And while the developer has the obligation to come in and make these repairs, that entity also understands that they want a complete release from everything. So they want full agreement on it. Generally, in most circumstances, they want full agreement on everything before they start making repairs. So how do you deal with some of these issues? How do you stop the bleeding, so to speak, along the way so that the community can get by? That's one big area that is difficult to deal with. And I would say another is how do you communicate properly to residents the process so that they understand the difference between the developer controlled board and now the membership controlled board and what the membership controlled board's capabilities are but also what their limitations are. Oftentimes, many folks come to these meetings initially when we're first retained. And for the first three or four meetings or so, many of the residents are not fully understanding the process of transition, what it means, and are complaining about issues that the association can't pursue, issues that are theirs to pursue. So there's a lot of education involved in this process as well. So I, I was going to ask you if you had like a key to success that you would be willing to share as far as being successful transition. But I think you just held it. Education and communication. Would that be right? Yeah, education, communication are two important keys. Knowledge of the various different areas of the law that I talked about earlier. And then, you know, understanding how to negotiate is a big facet here. You have to understand negotiation is a compromise, which means you're not going to get every single item on your list. So you need to be able to prioritize and you need to be able to understand what is important here. How do we allocate priorities against allocating risk of success if we were to refuse what's on the table. Oftentimes, clients may not understand, communities may not understand what is actually a good offer. It's easy to say, we will never accept X amount of dollars for our transition claim. 
when that X amount of dollars is not actually being offered, and then you're not sitting down with your counsel and judging the risk of, we could do better, we could do worse, we might end up in this same spot, and that could be four or five years from now. And at what cost? Is our net result the same? For me, I always preach this to, to all of my clients. We want the best net positive result, and that's all that should matter. Very, very interesting. You know, I, I always learned so much just speaking with you, Martin. I mean, I, I can I can Same. just get so much, so much from you in such a short amount of time. I really, really enjoy it. But and we like to give our guests an opportunity on the show to to give you know give something to the audience that you want to get across. Maybe some takeaways, if you will, or if you just want to give some thanks to maybe a mentor or a charity. Hey, the, the mic is yours, Martin. For twenty seconds, go for it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I mean, some advice or some information about you know maybe what you should do when you're considering counsel is make. Make sure you're hiring counsel that doesn't just know community association law, but has folks who focus on transition for all the reasons that I said earlier. Because if they don't have that focus, you might not get the best net positive result. And that's really all that should matter. Okay. Okay. It's great. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows this. You're a fabulous golfer. I, I, I'd, I wouldn't say fabulous. I, Avid, not fabulous. Way better than me and certainly better than David. But I have some golf trivia for you. Real simple. Do golf balls travel significantly faster or farther on hot days rather than cold days? I, you know, it's funny. I was, I was talking to David before this and I said, you know, I hate playing in the cold. I just don't like it. I'm a warm weather golfer. So I'm going to go hot days here on this one just for, for not really knowing. And my game starts tanking towards the fall so it's got to be the hot <laughs> you are correct which country has the most golf courses per capita oh man it's got to be like ireland or scotland i'm gonna go scotland you Damn. are correct nicely done nicely done well on that note thank you very much martin for joining us for this you know new season wrapping up this month of january and we look forward to see you on the golf course this spring and summer and if you are planning to attend the las vegas community association law seminar you will find martin there in mid-february so we'll see you in a few weeks and we wish you all a good rest of the day see you next week on call chat thank you guys Thanks for listening to Community Association Car Chat Podcast. The number one nationally recognized community association video podcast. Go ahead and hit subscribe to get the latest podcast delivered straight to your phone or tablet each week. And remember, you can watch us live on LinkedIn every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Community Association Car Chat LinkedIn page. 